Thank you, Mark, and good evening, lovely people. It is fabulous, as always, to be here and on such a stunning day as well. Now, for those of you who are fans of rock music, I was listening to an interview yesterday, actually, and I was on the radio with an aging rock star. And this aging rock star was asked to give some advice to a younger rock star or somebody who wanted to set out in the music industry. And this guy basically said, there are two things you've got to know, and they're all to do with playing live music. And that is, number one, open with your best song. And number two, close with your second best song. Keep them going, have that instant impact, and then give them something that they're going to enjoy while they go home. Whatever happens in between, that's a little bit more forgettable. And I was thinking about that, and thinking about it in light of these nine things, these nine segments that make up the fruit of the Spirit. And all those weeks ago, we started out with love. Boom! That is number one. That is the best track you will hear on Christianity, the album. That is what we're all about. And if you were to ask a number of people what Christians are all about, there is love. It is a great word. It sums up our faith in so many ways. Love, number one, yes. So next week, we're going to finish this series. And we're going to be finishing by speaking about self-control. And again, something we can really think about. Something that can engage us. And something as we end this list to really focus in on to be more self-controlling and more of that next week. But those two things are very memorable. The seven other elements of the fruit in between, well, at times they can be forgettable. Joy, great, peace, lovely, patience, a bit more forgettable. And then you get to this week, gentleness. And it can really feel like a bit of an afterthought. It can feel a little bit like that low you get in a gig before you have the big booming finish. It can almost feel a little bit like Paul was narrating this letter to Timothy and said, write these down, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, yeah, gentleness and self-control. It isn't the most go-to word that we have in Christianity. Gentleness, it's a lovely word, it's a lovely sounding word, but it's not maybe necessarily a word that we think about a lot. And for me, just this week, thinking about the word gentleness, I've thought of period dramas. And I'll tell you for why. When I was a kid, I hated period dramas with a passion. They reminded me of everything I despised in the world. Often on Sunday evenings, in that quiet slot, as everyone's preparing for school and work, filling in that lovely little gap all of them with a very genteel feel about them. I hated them. And my mom was properly watching this. Well, no, ma'am, yes, I put up with them for you. But I hated them. I hated watching period dramas. Then COVID hit. And as it would turn out, period dramas would become my lockdown obsession. A lot of people had lockdown obsessions. Some took up cooking. Some were very keen on gardening. Some bettered themselves with reading. Me? I want to discover more in the realms of TV. And so watching period dramas was my thing. And I blame Miss Hannah Green for that, who loves Pride and Prejudice, and encouraged me since we moved here to watch Pride and Prejudice. So, with not much else to do, as we were all in COVID, 
I sat down and me and Liz watched the six episodes of Pride and Prejudice from the 1990s. And I've got to tell you, I found it delightful. <laughs> it was absolutely fab. And actually, I thought, there's a lot more going on here than people dressed up and people standing up when people enter rooms and things like that. There's real drama. So I watched more and more and more, some better, some worse. But the whole world, I found fascinating. And even now, I find it utterly fascinating. What went with what you might call polite society, the manners, the mannerisms, those people who would stand up, ask about families, hold doors for people, and be very gentle in their traits, a gentleman, a gentle lady, people who acted in a certain way. When I think of gentleness, my head automatically goes to that. My head automatically goes to Sam as our own Mr. Darcy, holding the door open for somebody in the morning, or something like that. And I think for a lot of people, when you say the word gentleness out loud, your mind is almost taken, perhaps not to period dramas, but to that kind of person, a person who is polite, a person who has the appearance of being considerate, a person who will indeed stand up for a lady as they enter the room or whatever else might be in polite society, a gentleman, a gentle lady. But there's a problem with all of that. And the problem is, is all of those things, fab as they are, and wouldn't it be great if we could live that way today? I think so. Are all learnt behaviours. They are all things that we learn in one way or another. And through the certain areas the period dramas are placed in, it really is a learnt behaviour that polite society passes on as the norms in society. And when you really break it down, those things are themselves broken. Somebody who's at the upper ends of the class system might stand up for a lady to enter the room like our Felicity, but might not for a servant to enter the room like our Mark. So... <laughs> It is a broken system. It is a learnt behaviour. It is something that we pick up by societal norms. And here's the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about learnt behaviours. It is about the heart. And perhaps of all the things that come with the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness more than any are things to do with the heart. To some extent, you can learn all the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. You can learn to be joyful. You can learn to have the appearance of patience. You can learn to look like you're doing it well. But if you really want to do it well, you have to have your heart transformed. If you truly are having the fruit of the Spirit in you, you can't do it by lesson. You do it only through God. And that word, fruit of the Spirit is key. It is about God's Spirit entering into us and transforming us. And in this case, making us more gentle. God plants the seed in our heart. And from that, fruit comes forth. And for that reason, the word gentleness perhaps isn't the most helpful. And most of you know already that the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, the New Testament anyway. And some of the words that we have don't really translate to English very well. And this word that we say with gentleness is one of those words. 
really has got more in common with humility or meekness. It's somewhere in between all of those kind of things. Perhaps it's better to focus on humility and meekness rather than just gentleness. And we saw humility being a massive theme of that reading that Lidge read to us earlier. We are called to be humble. And I think for that reason, this theme of gentleness is so important for the age that we live in now. And really, it's not an afterthought at all. It is core to who we are, who the Lord is calling us, and who we are meant to be. I think you heard some while ago a social commentator calling the age that we live in the age of the apprentice. If you've ever watched The Apprentice, you'll know what that means. You take 10 candidates who are all looking for the job, and all of them aren't short of promotion them, promoting themselves. They are, you could say, encouraged to be arrogant, to brag about their accomplishments, to brag about their achievements, and to proclaim who they are. And you could also say that that's a TV show, a reality TV show. But so much of what we see in popular culture is just a mirror to the rest of society. And when we look at how the rest of our nation has worked, you can see it in action. Look at our politics. Look at our slight world of celebrity. Look at the kind of attitudes you get for people who stand for high office. In the last few decades, us as people have been far more attracted to the person who appears to be big and bold and proud and even arrogant and boasting in their arrogance than we are perhaps the person who might be incredibly gifted and diligent but humble. For those who are interested in politics, pol pol political experts suggest even that some of the great prime ministers that we've had in this country, including Clem Attlee, who founded the NHS, would not be elected to any office today because their demeanour was too humble. It would appear that us, as people, as a society, a Western society, are falling in love with arrogance, with people who will big, dream big, tell us to dream big, tell us you can have it all, and then naturally flounder along the way. We have become attracted to this kind of person. But our call, as we see in this reading, is to be humble and it is to be meek. And we can think that that means weakness, but it's not. Humility, meekness, is not weakness. It isn't looking down on ourselves. And in some ways, if we do that, we fall into the same category of learned behaviours and all of that. We can have false humility and certainly false meekness. And occasionally we see that at work. What this is, is an appreciation of what God has given to us our giftings, our ability, who we are in him, knowing that we're called, knowing that we're special, knowing that we're loved, but understanding all of that in the light of all of God's people and God himself. To be meek, to be humble, isn't to put ourselves down, but it is to understand that it's not all about us. And to begin with, the first one that we need to be humble before is God 
himself. It sounds bonkers to even say it out loud that we need to be humble before God. But how often do we question God? How often do we look at God and say, really? How often do we want it on our terms so much that we're willing to pull everything apart about God and not really bow the knee fully as to who the Lord is? Later this week, I've been asked to share my testimony somewhere, so that's pulled back a lot of old memories and the memory I had of when I first became a Christian. And when I first became a Christian, I was so in love with the Lord, I couldn't contain it. I was like a bottle of pop that was ready to go off. And my faith just felt so, so strong. You could tell me that the Lord would heal a person, I would believe you. You could tell me that the Lord called me to do something, I would believe you. I knew that God was so good and I wanted to follow him so much that all I wanted to do was praise his name. But those of us who have been Christians for some time also know that doesn't always last forever. And as time goes on, we begin to question a little bit more. We like to pull apart a little bit more. We try to make the Bible say maybe what we want the Bible to say. We want to do it in our terms and our terms alone. And we forget so easily about how awesome God is. But we know that God is a loving father. We've said it here week after week. God is a loving father. Well, I know for me and maybe you're the same. If God's a loving father and I'm a stroppy teenager, he is always there to love me. He is always there to watch out for me. But there's a rebellious nature in me that says, I want it my way. When I was a young child in the faith, it didn't feel like that. And sometimes I wish I felt like that more. But I also have to look at myself and maybe something we all have to do and say, am I truly humble before the Lord? Have I really humbled myself? Is there a lot of Kai involved in what's going on? Do I really acknowledge that the Lord has called me and the Lord has made me and I'm wonderful in his eyes, but blinking heck, he created a universe. He flung stars into space. This is the Lord who can do all things. This is the Lord who we praise, worship and adore. How easy to forget that. And Paul knew that very well as well. And in this reading from Ephesians, he was given a warning to the church in Ephesus as well, not to be swaying around like infants in a storm. Because when storms were coming their way, and they had all of these stroppy teenage things going on themselves, they were being knocked about. We are called always to have that childlike faith about who God is. And that's not to say we don't question. That's really important. That's not to say we don't have our doubts. That's really important. We need to grow and we will go through difficult times as well. All those things we need to do. But we need to recognize always who God is. God comes down to our level, but we don't need to bring him down to our level. He is still the God of gods the king of kings, the one who we worship and adore. And we need to be humble before him.
as, dare I say it, we need to be humble before each other. This reading, Paul spoke a lot to the church in Ephesus about their humility and how they needed to be it with each other and how, of course, he had given giftings to each of them and they needed to basically see themselves as a team, understand their giftings and understand where they fitted and understand who they were as part of growing the kingdom. When I was reading through that again this week, I remembered many years ago a friend of mine going to watch a rugby match in Cardiff and it was half time and the first half was brilliant. For those who know rugby, in fact any sport, you will understand it. It was free flowing, there was big hits, the ball was being spread wide, there was great tries scored, it was amazing. The skills on display were absolutely fascinating. It was immense and we were looking forward to the second half. During halftime, they did what we like to do in Wales, and that was give some kids from local rugby clubs a bit of a run around. And me and my mate were watching these kids play, and it was absolutely gorgeous. But one of the things that made us both giggle, because we'd been there ourselves, was wherever the ball was, there was always a swarm of kids running towards it. And this happens in every sport the children play. Football, netball, hockey, you name it, where the ball is, that's where the kids are. And we just wanted to shout to one of the kids, if you stand over there and get your mate to pass it to you, you can run straight in and score a try. But they all wanted to have the ball. One of the reasons why they all wanted to have the ball was glory. When you've got the ball, you've got chance of glory. And this was at the Principality Stadium. To say you scored a try there would have been absolutely amazing. And the other thing was trust. They simply, being young and starting out, didn't trust the other person, even their friends who they were playing with. And that is such a contrast to the real pros. The real pros who understood their positions. The real pros who trusted each other. The real pros who weren't in it for personal glory as much as they were in it for team glory. The real pros who didn't mind if they didn't have the ball because they knew that they had a job to do. I wonder how often in the kingdom of God, churches, the church, are like people running after the ball, wanting to have the glory. Wanting to have the glory because it looks good. Wanting to have the glory because we don't trust the other person. We are called to trust each other, to know where we fit, and to be content in where we fit as well. I'm going to say this now because on Friday, I spent a few hours in the well, and I was looking at Liz and what she does there and thinking, I can't do this. This is amazing. This is too much for me. I look at Ants and I see what he does, and I'm thinking, I can't do what he does. I don't understand it. How on earth does he do it? Some of the technical things he deals with are amazing. I look at Becky and some of the things that she does and does the same. But as Mark said earlier, we're a team. We all have our giftings. And the way we function as a team is understanding the giftings of each other. We understand those giftings and the hope is that it will benefit the kingdom of God. There's no room for personal glory. 
because God gets the glory. We as a church need a function like that. And it's not about clergy, it's about all of us. And it comes down to that meekness again, understanding that we are of worth, but so is the person next to us. Understanding that we all have our part to bring. Understanding that we all have our part to do. Understand that we truly are in it together. And we truly are strong as one, not apart. The one who gets the glory is the Lord. The one who we're here to serve is the Lord. And I think, being honest, for the last few decades, the wider church and the church in the West has fallen in love with power. We've come obsessed with super preachers. We've come obsessed with mega churches. We've come obsessed sometimes with looking edgy and trendy and being so relevant to society. And you know what? It hasn't worked. The church has declined far more in that time than ever before. In some places it works. But one of the reasons perhaps it doesn't work is it's about us. It's not meant to be about us. It is meant to be about the Lord. And we so easily forget that. It's not meant to be about St. Mike's Abba. It's not meant to be about Clannachine or St. Anne's or Holy Trinity or what we do online. It's not meant to be about Santa's fire. It's meant to be about the Lord and building the Lord's kingdom and not our own kingdom. It's not meant to be about building our own empire. It's meant to be building the kingdom of God. And when we are in the business of building empire, that's when we screw up and we flounder and we fall. We are not in that business. We are in the business of building the kingdom of God. And we build the kingdom of God through our humility. We build the kingdom of God through that meekness. We build the kingdom of God through understanding that we are gifted and we are willing to share those gifts. And we are willing to bow down and allow the other person to use their gifts too. We build the kingdom of God by using the power of God, not our own power. And that requires us to be truly gentle in what we do. And I think, though I could be wrong, that that's what the world wants from the church as well. When we think about those on the outside, what do they want to see in us? Do they want to see someone who's cool and edgy? Do they want to see people who are above them? Or do they want to see people who just get them, who love them despite of anything else, who just love them, are willing to welcome them, and are happy to see them? We want to see people to look at us and say, you know what, I like them because they're different. If we truly do live in this arrogant age, the apprentice age, where people are encouraged to boast about their achievements and what they can do and never apologize, then the antidote is the kingdom of God working. It's humility working. It's meekness working. It's saying to somebody on the outside, you know what? You are special and you are gifted. Come and join our gang and come and see what the Lord can do. People, I believe, want to see God's church doing what God's church is called to do. And that is show the love of God in all that we do. They're not as interested in our technology. 
They're not as interested in whether we have pews or not. And we can have plans for all of those things. But fundamentally, it is about our heart. We can do whatever we want to do. But if our heart isn't in the right place, it will fall. And the way we get our heart in the right place is being humble. And the way we are humble is about allowing the Lord to minister to us. To allow his spirit to minister to us. And to change us. We are called to be the humble people of God. God's kingdom will grow. God's church will never be obliterated. But God's church will grow the more if we are willing to allow God to do the work. Let us be humble before the Lord. Let us truly humble ourselves before him. Let us be humble before each other and recognise how gifted each of us is from the youngest to the oldest, from the richest to the poorest. Let us recognise how the Lord has called us to be in this place. And let us not be embarrassed. Let us not be shy in demonstrating to the world that humility as well. May we really be gentle people. And if we do, we're dressed up like characters from Jane Austen, all the better. That sounds like a great <laughs> laugh to me. So let's pray, shall we? Our oh, Father God, we do thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we give thanks that your Spirit is with us this evening. And we give thanks that your Spirit is here now. And Lord, before you now, we acknowledge that we can do nothing without you. And we come to you this evening to humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves in our worship. We humble ourselves in how we think about you. We humble ourselves in who we are. And I pray now, Lord, that if there's any blockages on our humility, you would just remove them. I pray that you would remove anything that is not of you and that your spirit would just move in us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's any blockages at all, your spirit would just come and destroy them, knock them down. And should we need to be reminded today of the love that we had for you when we first came to believe, remind us now, we pray. Remind us that we are your children. Remind us that we are special. And remind us that we are gifted as well. Each and every one of us gifted and called to serve you. We're not called to serve you in power, but in humility, in meekness. Father God, we give thanks for each other. And we pray now for each other in this, our church. We pray for each other and we pray blessing upon each other. We pray for those who we call friend and we pray for those who we struggle to like. We pray for your church throughout the world. And we pray that your church would bow the knee before you. And we pray that you would strengthen your church in the humility that you call us to have, in the gentleness that you call us to have. 
And we pray that the world would see it as well. See you at work. And Lord, we pray for our world now. Our world that is broken. Broken in no small part by humans. Broken in no small part by the things that we do. Broken in no small part by the boastings of humans. And we acknowledge that all things are possible only through you. And with that in mind, Lord, we pray for those who lead us. We pray for the leaders of the nations. We pray for our current Prime Minister and we pray for our next Prime Minister. We pray for our First Minister here in Wales, the leaders of our council. We pray for the leaders of the church. We pray for all who hold power and authority. We pray for all who at work in our community. We pray for every person who lives, who breathes, who is made in your image. And we pray, Lord, blessing upon blessing. Lord, we pray that your spirit would just move in us now. And as we return to a time of worship, come, meet with us, we pray. Come, bless us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.